This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the show. Hey, happy Saturday. You know what? We've only got, what is it, another three weekends left before Christmas? Are you out doing your shopping? Well, you know what? Stay tuned this hour because we've got a lot of real estate to talk about. Of course, everything comes up in the news each week. There's always a hot topic. Right now, it seems like the water coolers are getting more active in most people's places of work talking about what is going to happen to real estate this year, next year, and moving forward. Lots of stuff threatening this week as far as we are looking at interest rates. We hear some you know, rumor mills that are saying they're going to start to climb a little. The U.S. is already threatening that they're going to be turning around and put, putting up the uh, their bank rate, which in all fairness is not going to have an effect here. Our economy is not in the same state as the U.S. right now. And the Bank of Canada has continued to stay say that they are going to stay locked in exactly where they are. But that hasn't stopped people like TD and RBC from taking their own rates and putting them up. And so right now we're seeing some of these advertised rates hitting about 2.9% for a five-year mortgage. But I want to thank the guys at CIBC and BMO for keeping it straight and not playing the game yet, because you know what? I think this is a whole lot of hooey sometimes when these banks are sitting there saying, yeah, we're not making enough money. Well, I'll tell you what, when you find out what they make this year, I'm pretty sure nobody's going to feel sorry for them. And leaving the interest rates where they are until the Bank of Canada starts pushing the rates up is probably a lot better thing for everyone. Now, I know some of you are sitting there saying, yeah, but hang on, Todd, they've been artificially low for a long time. Time. You know what? People are thinking that this is the norm. If you get a bank rate right now over the amount of 3%, oh my goodness, you know what? World has come to an end. Well, I got news for you. If the rate goes up by 0.5 of a percent, the actual first time home buyer market will probably grind to a bit of a halt. And this is one of the things that we've had throughout the years. We had it happen between 2000 and 2009. We had that happen three separate times where there was a blip in the actual interest rates. And for about 90 days, there was a frenzy of people buying their first home because that was the commitment they had on their actual interest rate. And then all of a sudden the market went flat for about three months to six months until the banks realized, hey, did we screw up again? Yeah, it happens. And you know what? They've got to turn around and stop putting their hand in your pocket. So we'll keep our eyes on the interest rate. Of course, the conversation going south of the border. What's Mr. Trump going to do? Last week, I had a lot of callers call in. I appreciate everybody calling in. Having that discussion is Donald Trump being the new president going to affect Canada's economy slash real estate. And of course, did Kathleen Wynne do anything for us with that buyer rebate of $2,000? Well, I think pretty much the general consensus is, thanks, Miss Wynne, for nothing. And Mr. Trump, you know what? Keep it south of the border. We have no interest in your crap up here. So you know what? I think if we uh, keep in mind, we are Canadians and we can control our own marketplace. You know what? We'll keep our eye on it. And one of the most important things is that you know exactly what's going on. So that's why tuning here to Simply Real Estate every single week is uh, important because I will try to give it to you straight. Hey, by the way, new company out there that has been launching, uh, you know, the attack on rentals and landlords. And I'm not going to call it an attack other than they want to get rid of the typical transactional approach. It's called Bidwell and they will be doing rent to the highest bidder. 
They've uh, started up a website where people can actually log on as a tenant, pretty much make up your own resume, make sure everybody knows who and what you are. Then you'll have landlords that'll log in, they'll offer up their property and it goes to the highest bidder. What they're trying to do is get away from the realtor aspect of things and give people an opportunity to go direct to the actual landlord. Is it a good idea? Well, you know what? We've talked in the past about an auction approach. This is not much different. It's more like a live auction online. It's probably an interesting approach. We'll watch it. I don't know if it's going to take, you know, I don't know if it'll take or not only because there's no representation and I'm pretty sure there's still a few people out here that would rather get some good advice. Now, again, the site has lots of information for people, but is the site actually working for you or are they working for the landlord? Again, one of those things, agency always comes into play. Hey, by the way, this week, I'm going to, uh, I've got some interesting guests. Ray Ferris from ARIA is going to be joining me in a few minutes. And it's always great to have him on. He is the president of Ontario Real Estate Association. A little bit later on, I'm going to have John Carlo Silfidis join me from Build. Uh, John Carlo has been a, a guest here at Simply Real Estate several times, and he always brings us up to date. For those of you that are thinking of renovating, this is the man to talk to. He uh, is right they're active in the industry of renovations. Build is definitely one of the biggest um, biggest associations in the industry in Ontario. And, you know, looking at uh, a lot of people, they're saying, hey, listen, I don't want to move. I'm going to renovate. Well, you know what, folks, make sure you're dealing with professional contractors. And we will be talking to John Carlo in a little while. And near the end of the hour, I'm going to be talking to Sam McDaddy. I'm pretty sure most of you in, uh, in Toronto know, know that name. Uh, Sam's probably one of the biggest real estate teams in the world. We're going to talk about Mississauga real estate and why is Mississauga still an attractive place to buy, live, and even invest. Uh, so that's going to be a little bit later in the hour. But, you know, when we take a look at the market itself, again, solid, solid numbers. You know, we're going to be grinding now into December. Is the real estate market going to slow down or is Toronto going to finish up the year for 2016 at about 20% increase year over year. You know what? That's my gut. I'm going to tell you, I think that the overall increase for the year is definitely 20%. Could be more in some areas, but that's an incredible year and something I don't know or don't even think is possible to repeat in 2017. So joining me now is President of the Ontario Real Estate Association, Mr. Ray Ferrison. Ray, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Todd. It's great to be back. Always a pleasure to have you here at Simply Real Estate. Ray, you know what? We know that this has been a very, very busy year in real estate in Ontario. Uh, can you give us a couple of the highlights, what we're looking at this year? Well, the big issue that we're facing in real estate right now is the lack of supply. Uh, in most markets across Ontario, I think realtors are reporting that it's a seller's market. So it's been a very successful year for home sellers, but it's very difficult right now for home buyers because of the lack of supply that's available for sale on the market. So, Ray, when, when you talk about supply, you know, in a lot of times, when we have a stabilized real estate market, a lot of times people will say, you know, average time on a market. And, you know, if we, if we focus on different municipalities, of course, each one is a little bit different. If we do an averaging, you know, back in the day, and, you know, you and I have been in real estate a long time. I mean, I can, I can go back 25 years front with me. And, you know, people used to have houses on the market 90, 120, you know, almost six months before they sell. Today, though, we know that the market has shortened up so much. Um, 
is it is it you know realistic that people can actually you know be able to buy something and actually have a minute to think about it or i mean it just seems like the multiple offers you know especially in the toronto market which again aria has a huge number of members there uh, you know it just seems like it's it's making it even more difficult just for people to get their heads around what they're buying yeah for sure all real estate is local and i always say to people uh, real estate is all about location 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 so like you said, Todd, in the Toronto real estate market, houses are flying off the shelf relatively quickly. I mean, very quickly, as a matter of fact. But in other markets uh, across Ontario, there may be additional days on the market. But, you know, like I say, it depends where the property is located. But in Toronto, for sure, that is the issue, that homes are selling very quickly and uh, supply, again, is the, is the problem right now, particularly in the Toronto area. So when um, when uh, when uh, the government put into place the new rules for first-time homebuyers uh, having to do that stress test, from an Arias perspective, you know, what is your take on that? Do you think this was the smart move? Did they do the correct thing to put that stress test in so people are not, you know, getting in too deep? Well, no doubt realtors are concerned about responsible home ownership and nobody wants to see a home buyer get into a difficult situation and not be able to afford a home that they're purchasing so you know no doubt realtors support responsible home ownership but of course realtors want to make sure that home ownership is affordable to as many canadians as possible and you know last week we heard the government of ontario make an announcement that was a good news announcement for first-time home buyers in ontario where First-time home buyers are eligible for $4,000 rebate when they purchase a new home with regards to the land transfer tax. And an additional $2,000 in the pocket of a home buyer, Todd, is a big deal to a first-time home buyer because it allows the buyer to purchase things like a brand new fridge, a brand new stove, or washer and dryer, and new furniture. But there's still more to be done. You know, we need to address other factors like housing supply, which is which are impacting the prices. And that is actually what we're working with the government on right now. So are, and, and, and not to put the government or yourself on, on the spot here, are we finding that the government is listening? Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, they, they'll, they'll sit there and, and let people, you know, mouth the words, but they're not really listening. Are you feeling that you're being heard? Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, on Tuesday of this week, uh, representatives of the Ontario Real Estate Association and the Toronto Real Estate Board met with Premier Wynne on the issue of housing affordability. And we came out of that meeting feeling that it was a very, very productive meeting. We recommended the need for bringing more supply of homes to the market. And as I said, the demand of homes is far outpacing supply and that's making affordable home ownership difficult for thousands of young families. So, and the premier asked us what solutions we would bring to the table to make the supply of homes greater on the market. So, you know, it was a one-hour meeting, and for stakeholders to get an eye-to-eye, face-to-face meeting with the premier for one hour is a big deal, and we do think that the uh, government is listening. So was that the PAC conference? Is that what they call that? Yeah, we call it the uh, PAC conference for short. 
It stands for the Political Action Conference. Excellent. So, Ray, I'm going to ask you to stay put, okay? I want to talk a little bit more about the conference and some of the things that, you know, a large governing body like ARIA is doing for the public because I think it's really good that they know, you know, how much effort you're actually making. So, folks, I've got Ray Ferris with me. He is president of the Ontario Real Estate Association. We're going to talk more about their meeting with the Premier when we come back right after this. So stay with us. We'll be right back with Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Ray Ferris. He is president of the Ontario Real Estate Association. And just before our break, we were talking about a meeting that they had, the Ontario Real Estate Association had with the Premier in discussing... Uh, things such as affordability and supply here in Ontario. And Ray, we had just touched on it before the break and you had mentioned that. So the you, you feel that the Premier is actually listening to yourselves uh, with, I guess, some of the suggestions or recommendations that you have? Yeah, no doubt. And as an example of that, Todd, it was the Ontario Real Estate Association who had been lobby- lobbying the Ontario government for years to modernize the land transfer tax rebate available to first-time home buyers. And as you know, prior to the announcement, the land transfer tax rebate was set at $2,000. And in the fall economic statement, you heard the finance minister make an announcement that the land transfer tax rebate was actually going to be doubled. And that was a direct result of the Ontario Real Estate Association's lobbying the government on behalf of Ontario first-time home buyers. See, I think I think definitely that's, that that is a positive move for us, obviously, because we, you know, we need to work with affordability. A lot of people, though, Ray, uh, have suggested that it's not the government's job to make things affordable for people to be able to buy. But I think I think a concession on their part is 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 a first step, as as you had said. What were some of the other things that you were able to bring to the attention of the Premier and some of the things you want to focus on? I mean, you know, we're looking at supply and demand. Can we look at some of the builders being able to have less stringent rules? Um, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about things like green space designation. Is there areas that we can, we can open up the actual supply chain here? Yeah, for sure, Todd. And that is one of the recommendations that we made to the Premier during our meeting with her. For example, the province could easily bring more supply to the market by doing things such as reducing the permit approval times, auditing official plans, and actually dedicating more infrastructure funding to get the land serviced. And responsibly easing restrictions on developable developable land would open the door for greater housing uh, development in in the Toronto area and throughout Ontario. Well, as we as we know, the GTA area is is probably now the number one driving force in the Canadian real estate market. Um, you know, looking at the numbers out of Vancouver, of course, year over year they are still exceptionally strong because they had such a run up in the spring. Their numbers are starting to fade at this point. You know, uh, there was a high of you know increases at thirty five percent year over year on a few of their months. They've now tapered down. I think closer to that twenty twenty four percent range, which is very similar to Toronto. You know, who knows how 
they'll finish out the year. But I don't see Vancouver really being a big leader next year. It seems like they've probably, they'll see a softening or cooling market, not really going backwards. But we see Toronto maintaining its strength, but not just Toronto or the GTA. You know, we've seen the likes of Windsor, London, Chatham. We've seen areas of Sudbury, North Bay. You know, now we're looking at, you know, places like Oshawa, Ajax, a lot of areas that, you know, were lacking. And now we're seeing some strength in all these outer markets. Can we actually, you know, anticipate that this will continue over, you know, the next 12 to 18 months? Well, you know, Todd, I don't have a crystal ball. I wish I did. But, (laughs) uh, you know, I'd be a very wealthy man if I knew that the real estate market was going to increase like it has over the last, uh, you know, several years. But, uh, you know, we don't see any reason why the market in Ontario is going to do anything different than continue to be strong and stable. So, you know, I I think it's a good news story for Ontario sellers. Well, you know, the nice thing is you're not only the the president of the Ontario Real Estate Association, right? You're actually a practicing broker. And so, you know, with your experience, if you were to pick a percentage, and, you know, I talk about this all the time on the show because I believe in stable markets. And in a stable market, I've always thought that an appreciation number should be sitting around that kind of comfortable around 5%. You know, so if markets go up on an annual basis between 4 and 6%, that's a nice steady increase in a real estate market, not something that's going to blow everybody out. But at the same time, it's, it's showing the strength of the equity in real estate. So when we take a look at interest rates, of course, we've got some of that pressure that's, you know, uh, affecting them. We've seen TD, you know, recently introduced their new version of an interest rate. We see RBC. Right now, CIBC, BMO are sitting on the fence, you know, so we're talking about a lot of our big lenders. Um, you know what, I, I'm not going to ask you to predict what interest rates will go. Right now, we know the Bank of Canada is, you know, kind of staying pat where they are. Um, but, you know, we've seen the cyclical uh, style of, you know, what they, they come up a little, then they come down a little. Um, do you think that, uh, you know, if we stay within that, you know, 25 to 3.5% interest rate, people are going to still be buying aggressively? Yeah, I mean, no doubt, as you know, Todd, interest rates are at an, at an historic low. And, you know, buying a home couldn't be more affordable in terms of mortgage repayment. So, you know, it couldn't be better in terms of interest rates for sure. So, Ray, um, just, uh, you know, any advice for our listeners at this point? Um, You know what, you know, we do turn to obviously uh, realtors in the industry. We, you know, uh, here at the show, as you know, uh, you've been on with me and we always appreciate you as a guest. Uh, Always a big advocate of the full-time professional realtors out there. We believe that, you know, more importantly, if they do it every single day, they practice good ethics, you know, keep it clean, represent their, their, their clients the way they should. You know, a real estate can be a very positive experience. Any advice for our listeners at this point? Well, when people are buying or selling a home, for most people, it's the single largest financial transactions of their lives. So people need to take uh, time to consider the realtor that they're working with, take time to understand the market, do their homework to get pre-approved, and you know, seek out a realtor that you know, like, and trust that will help you through the biggest transaction of your life. Well, right. Listen, always a pleasure. That's some great advice for our listeners. I appreciate that. And uh, all the best. And we'll definitely have you back. So thanks so much, Ray. 
Great. Thanks, Todd. Okay. Folks, that was Ray Ferris. He is president of the Ontario Real Estate Association. Always a pleasure to have him join us uh, again. Some great advice. When picking a realtor, you know what? Take your time, understand who you're hiring, but more importantly, understand the transaction that you want to perform. Meaning, if you're selling and buying, if you're just selling, if you're just buying, make sure you've got your dates matched up, make sure you've got your financing in place, make sure you've got your pre-approvals, and know who your team's going to be. Not just a realtor is in the transaction, folks. You also have to deal with a lawyer, home inspector. You know what? You can be looking at a mortgage broker, your bank. Make sure you get it all lined up. Know where your down payment's coming from because the last thing you want to do is have a hiccup on your biggest purchase for most people. Hey, listen, coming up after the break, I've got John Carlos Sofitas from Build. He is going to be joining me and we are going to be talking about renovations. So stay with me. I'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. As I said, always, you know, it's always great to have Ray Ferris on. He's a, you know, he's a very level-headed broker in the industry of real estate. And, you know, he has a great perspective on it. So it's always a pleasure to have the president of ARIA on with me. Now, uh, you know, one of my guests that I love having on every once in a while because he keeps us grounded, but he is definitely the uh, knowledge in renovation is John Carlos Safitas. And he is from Build. And John Carlo, welcome back to the show. Well, it's great to be back. Thanks, Todd. You know, it's always a pleasure to have you. You know, you and I, you know, I, I think we're two peas in a pod talking about renovations. You know, I love renovations, used to be a contractor for years. Having conversations with you, to me, is always a highlight to my day. And uh, I'm pretty sure you are a very busy man right now. Can you talk about what's going on in the world of renovations? Of course. Uh, renovations are hopping along. And we've had some interesting developments over the last little while. We've had the election of Donald Trump (laughs) and his uh, proposed infrastructure plan. And you've already seen talk or heard talk of interest rates rising in the U.S. Um, And it's going to be interesting to see what happens on the Canadian side of the border here. So as interest rates rise, I think that's going to be a further stimulus for people to look at their properties and say, well, you know, instead of buying new uh, with higher financing costs, let's renovate what we have. So I think that's going to be a further impetus for additional renovation spending here. Well, of course, in the news, you know, we've been seeing these flashes of, you know, talking about lumber, uh, more recently drywall. Um, can you shed a little bit of light what these discussions are? Uh, yeah, well, we've seen it in the past. Um, as the uh, U.S. market picks up, certainly in terms of demand, it is going to create some kind of bottlenecks here in Canada. You're going to see a lot of Canadian producers of lumber, of drywall, sending their stuff down south, and it's going to cause price increases for us here. So it will have an effect. There's no doubt about that. So what's going to happen is is the fact that they can make more money sending it to the U.S., so Canadians are left high and dry even if they're Canadian manufacturers. It's the same old-fashioned story. Yes, wow. that's exactly right. You know, we've seen it in the past. It's, it's not news to us. So As do, demand in the U.S. picks up, right. it's going to have price increases here in Canada. So can I make a suggestion that maybe you get everybody together from building, you build a wall <laughs> <laughs> across the U.S.-Canadian border, and we could keep our, you know, our material? I, obviously, we, you know, we need the U.S. economy, but, you know, it, 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 it kinda, it's kind of one of those things, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You have to, you know, you want to turn around and, and, and obviously export, but when it starts 
you know, affecting people domestically, um, it's it's a little bit sad because you know you're you you as a, a you know as a contractor, you count on your supplies, you count on the pricing of your supplies to be able to keep it affordable. When something like this happens, you know everybody gets affected, as you said. Oh yeah, and you're right about that. So we're going to wait and see what happens with uh, all this infrastructure spending south of the border and what impact that will have on demand for commodities. You know, you jokingly said, let's build a wall. I laughed, but, you know, that wall will be more expensive now. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Are you going to build it out of lumber or drywall? (laughs) You know, it's it's kind of funny because, you know, when you you think about it, because Mr. Trump obviously was, you know, quite a blowhard during the election and talking about a wall and being, you know, building it. And and I think a lot of people had this mindset that he he actually was going to turn around brick and mortar and put up a wall. But obviously that's probably not going to be the case. When we talk about building, though, more importantly, we you know earlier we touched on permits. Um, is it yeah. getting more difficult uh, for people to get permits? Um, is there enough people issuing permits? You know, the governing bodies are they actually you know keeping up with the demand, or are you finding that this is one of the issues that's slowing you down? You know, Todd, that's a really insightful question. In light of the fact that over the last week we just heard city councillors muse aloud about you know. We can't keep pace with demand. You know, they're, they're looking at their hiring practices. There are not enough people in the building and planning departments. So it's getting more and more difficult to obtain a permit. The process is getting drawn out even more. Uh, just imagine you have the city, which is the sole provider of this service. So they have a monopoly. So when you have a monopoly, you tend to want to regulate it and give people predictability. People should know that, yes, it's going to take two weeks to get a zoning certificate and two months to get a committee of adjustments hearing. We don't have that. It's hit and miss. The whole process is, you know, you're lucky if you get a zoning certificate in a month. You're lucky if you get a committee hearing in three months. So doesn't that cry out for the need to have third-party services in this regard? It's done all over Europe. Well, you know, so why, I... can't, why can't we get an engineer and architect to oversee the permit process. And that way it eases the demands on city resources. Well, you know, that's a great point. And, you know, of course, this week, you know, the city's been jumping up and down because, you know, the idea of tolls and making more money and and trying to work on infrastructure. But, you know, you made an interesting point where, you know, it can take, you know, two weeks, two months, things that are delaying the process, where all of these proposals make the city money. So, if they were able to open up the floodgates, let's say employ a few more people, open up the divisions that can make this happen, would we not be able to assume that they're going to be making more money as the monopoly holders? Well, now you're thinking logically, Todd. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be a politician, is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, you know, and the interesting is the building department is, is a profit center for the city, but obviously not enough. So... What we're saying now is maybe it's time, you know, Mayor Tory and City Council have asked us to think outside the box. So let's think outside the box. Is it time for third-party provision of the services of a building permit? The city would still make their money, would still pay our building permit fees, we would still pay our fees to get variances through the committee, but maybe the whole process could be streamlined if you have outside people licensed and approved to provide these services. We do it in a whole other realm like when you do your sewer work for example it's third parties that do the work but licensed under the city 
right? So why not do it with a building permit process? Yeah, which that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, one of the, one of the biggest things I think that most of our listeners need to understand is that there is a process and a timeline in all renovations. So if we were to kind of nail it down, I think that, you know, depending on the scale of the job, I mean, there are obviously people come in and they just do, you know, modest renovations, which is more of an interior facelift. But then when right. we start talking about majors, such as plumbing, electrical, increase the size of the prop, the actual, uh, you know, dwelling itself, this is where the permits become more crucial and how people have to understand. Um, do you obviously encourage people to, you know, obviously get educated when going through this process on how long something can take? Of course, but a lot of our clients look to us to uh, provide that information to them. And it gets a little frustrating when we have to go back to them and say, look, you know, we applied for the zoning certificate to see what variances we would need. And, you know, four, five, six weeks later, we're still waiting to get an answer. So that just draws out the process. And even when you get that answer, you don't know how long it's going to take to get a committee of adjustments hearing, you know, and, and those timelines are just getting longer and longer and longer. So at some point, you have to start demanding some kind of service standard. And that's all we're saying. We're not, you know, advocating for a full-scale revolution. We're saying, give us a service standard. People have the right to know how long things are going to take. There should be some predictability in dealing with the municipal government as the sole provider of this service. And if that can't be done, well, now it's time to start considering third-party provision of these services. And the city could still make their money, and they license these people, and I think it's, it could be a win-win solution. Yep. Now, here we are. Well, you know what? We're, we're rolling into December. You know, we're coming into the winter months. Um, is uh, obviously, if people are thinking of doing, you know, opening up, let's say, walls and roofs, they should be looking at, you know, more of a spring construction time. But if they are, should they have already been in the planning process? If somebody's looking at a major renovation, how far in advance should they start their planning? Wow. My advice to my clients is as soon as possible. If you could do it anywhere from 8 to 12 months prior, I think you'll be okay. Uh, but yes, the planning should should have commenced even a couple of months ago if you want a spring project. Yeah, excellent. Well, listen, John Carlo, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Greatly appreciate your time today, and uh, thanks so much for joining us. The pleasure is mine, Todd. Thank you. Thank you. So, folks, that was John Carlos Safitas, and he is from Build. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. You know, great advice always uh, when we're talking about things such as renovations, construction. And, you know, coming up right now, I have to tell you, if you're thinking that you want to do a major renovation uh, in the spring, you almost are too late because keep in mind what's going to be required. As he's mentioned, permits. We also have to look at architectural drawings, engineer reports, things like that. So keep all that in mind when you're thinking of a major renovation. Listen, coming up after the break, I've got Sam McDaddy joining me. You don't want to miss this. Uh, Sam is one of the premier realtors in the country. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now... 
of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Always a pleasure to have Giancarlo Safitas with us from Build. Uh, folks, remember, you know what? It's always good to hire a professional. It's so important. Now, my next guest, um, you know, for those of you that know me, I've been practicing and been in real estate for almost 30 years. And there are very few people in the industry that I have more respect for than my next guest. Uh, it is Sam McDaddy. And Sam is the proud, um, you know, team leader of, I would deem to be probably the number one team of real estate in the world. And Sam, thanks so much for joining us today at Simply Real Estate. Todd, thanks for the kind words. It's a pleasure to be on the show. So, Sam, you know, one of the important things, and uh, for a lot of our listeners, if they're out in the West End of the GTA, they have seen you around for years. I know you've had a huge presence now in the overall GTA area. But, you know, uh, when we talk about marketplaces, municipalities, we can actually section them off. And, we, you know, we look at the Hamilton-Burlington area having strength, Oakville. But the one I want to focus on today, of course, is Mississauga. You know, you, uh, you've you been in Mississauga virtually your entire life um, as both a resident and I know as a practitioner. But when we take a look at Mississauga, you know, what is one of the main or some of the main attributes that people are so driven to a city? I mean, you know, we had Hazel McCallion for years as the mayor. It's been a growing city for years. What makes Mississauga so attractive? I think there's so many reasons people have uh, gravitated towards Mississauga. And you hit the nail on the head. You know, number one is, you know, we've had great leadership, obviously, Mayor Hazel, now Bonnie, who's fantastic. So, you know, we're virtually a debt-free city, which is, you know, really important as well. So that gets translated into hopefully lower property taxes, et cetera. But, you know, in addition to that, you know, it's if you're looking to buy a house in the city, i.e., you know, Toronto, you know, you don't get as much bank for your dollars. So you're, you know, virtually a hop, skip, and a jump away from the city, but you get all the amenities right in our, you know, city of Mississauga. But price points tend to be more attractive. You can get the double car garage, the big lot. You know, you're close to the lake. So there's so many positive attributes. And even recently, you know, we've engaged people who could have bought anywhere who've got, you know, deep pockets, professional basketball players at high levels, baseball personalities, hockey players, NHL players. We're all buying in Mississauga. So that's a testament to our city and what they see in our city as well. Well, you know, the nice thing is, Sam, I do know that you have obviously represented you and your team a lot of these these high-profile people. But one of, the, one of the things that I also recognized over the years is the fact that you also work with, let's say, a lot of first-time home buyers, people that are also first-time home sellers. So you have quite the spectrum nailed down. So when we, let's, let, let's first talk about condominiums because, you know, the condominium escape in Toronto, it's about to change, of course. Uh, Rogers on Burnham Thorpe there is about to launch a massive project. But we've seen a lot more affordable condominiums in Mississauga than, let's say, the rest of the GTA. Um, can, you, can you talk to that a little? Sure. You know, we're, you know, and our team concept is no house is too big or too small. So, you know, we represent first-time buyers who are just, you know, barely scraping to be able to get into the marketplace, but want to have a home, home ownership. And you can buy a one-bedroom condo, say, for, you know, 200000 250000 which, you know, I think is going to be less than rent. So today with low interest rates, it, it makes a lot of sense for people to get into home ownership, see equity gains. And I think, you know, 200000 250 is not doable in the city and other parts of Toronto. So I think that's 
been a big draw for our clientele as well. And uh, so for the people that don't really, aren't really familiar with Mississauga, of course, you know, you've got your southern border of uh, Port Credit, Lauren Park, which again, right there, the waterfront is, is a fabulous area. You come up through the rest of Mississauga, there's lots of golf courses, lots of private schools, a lot of areas, um, you know, that have had great development, but a lot of them that have history. You know, we've got the, the small town of, uh, or the small ville of Streetsville, uh, a lot of history there as well. Um, Sam, when you when you actually bring, because I know you deal with a lot, obviously, you know, a lot of people transferring in, what are some of the attributes that you like to focus on when we talk about the city of Mississauga? A lot of times when people aren't familiar with the city and they're coming first time and taking a look, they're really surprised because it's almost a bit of a sleeper for pe- people who don't know the city, but, and you hit the nail on the head as well, where, you know, you can take them south and they can see the water, they've got beautiful trails, Rackery Marsh, you go further up and you talked about Streetsville, which you know intimately well, it's a great area, my brother lives there as well. So there's so much to offer, and when people start recognizing it, and sometimes people when they're looking and, and they're comparing and they're not sure, and they start off in the city and they start moving a little bit westward, they're like, wow, you know, Mississauga is a place we love. We didn't realize they've got great private schools, mentor college and poor credit, great high schools, great reputations, a safe place. You know, all of a sudden they start thinking, wow, this is a place we would like to bring up our kids and have a family here, or even, even if you don't have kids, a place we'd like to live. And so it's a real draw for most people who have an open mind, right, and start looking at, you know, a bit of a suburbia, which, and another nice part is, and a lot of times why people come to Mississauga and they might buy past Oakville today, the commute to the city is very, very much, you know, it's very 15, 20 minutes you're in the city without any traffic. So it's almost sometimes going from city to city with all the traffic, it takes longer to get there. Right. Good points, uh, Sam. So just to ask you, you know, I'm going to ask you a little bit about your personal opinion on this. You know, we've had a huge increase in values, obviously, in the marketplace. If we're talking about Mississauga, they've had year over year, you know, wonderful growth. It's been quite a run up for the last, you know, 10, 15 years. So where do you see the marketplace going? Are we going to see 2017 kind of, you know, stabilize a little? Are we going to see the same increases? You know, right now we know Vancouver's kind of on the hub of, you know, not necessarily going backwards, but it's going to go flat pretty quick. You know, I think the foreign buyer tax probably wasn't implemented correctly there. What is your take on Mississauga? Are we going to see it stabilized or are we going to see some solid increases for the next few years? You, you know, it's a, it's a great question. We're asked that on a daily basis because we've seen such a crazy year this year and it's been, you know, we've seen some double-digit growth, which sometimes is a bit of a red flag because you want to be a little bit guarded when you see a lot of exponential growth in one year. But, you know, supply has remained low and I, as long as that's still in play next year, I still think you'll see, you know, increases in pricing. I'm not sure you'll see 15, 20% year over year, but I, you know, I, I predict another 5 to 8% next year in Mississauga, um, you know, because supply is low and demand remains high today. And I think that's probably not going to change. I think the government's made some good decisions with, you know, incorporating stress as to make sure that, you know, when rates do rise, which at some point they will, that, you know, pricing and integrity in the market remains intact. They don't want to see what happened in the states come to us as well, right? So I think we're still in a good place, and I think the government's made the right steps, and I don't think they'll incorporate the luxury tax like they did in 
Vancouver, which has almost been a bit of, it's hurt them a little bit too much, in my opinion. Um, you know, Charles, who's a, a good friend, has said that that's not on the books for them. Not a, and I don't think that will be in the foreseeable future as well. Well, that's, I think that's a positive for Ontario. So when, when we take a look right now, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Sam, you can correct me, but uh, we're pretty much out of developable land at this time in Mississauga. We're kind of right to the borders all the way around, but now we're seeing a lot more infill happening. So this is why the condominiums are going up. Do you think that this is going to help by keeping supply a little bit lower? It keeps the you know demand in place and it keeps prices kind of stable? Yeah, almost to the point where, I mean, there's such limited supply that, I mean, it's putting all this pressure on, on pricing because the demand is there. And, you know, I think one of the distinctions today as well, Mississauga, is, you know, in the luxury market before, you know, it was kind of localized buyers. But now, you know, even people that, you know, the Chinese buyers are entering the marketplace in China and, and they really are gravitating to a lot of what we're talked about about the city. And so, you know, you're seeing some pretty good, you know, pressure on pricing. But, you know, I think that the measures taken by the government will help stabilize it. So we see healthy gains are good. You know, when you see double digit gains year over year, that's a bit of a danger zone because prices then become out of reach for too many people. So our listeners probably picked up exactly what you just said. And sorry, I'm not, I'm not putting it on the spot, but you mentioned Chinese buyers. And this is one of those things that, you know, we've had a lot of our, our shows with call-ins where we talk about foreign buyers. A lot of people get a little bit antsy about foreign buyers. Are you finding that you've got a lot of the foreign investment? Because, see, I, I, I don't look at it the same way most people. When you talk about a foreign buyer, they could easily be putting their family here, moving over. But are you seeing foreign investment where they're not actually moving here, but yet they have ownership? Are we seeing much of that in the Mississauga market? And Mississauga, yeah, sorry, yeah. Todd, go ahead. Yeah, yeah and, do you th- and do you think it's going to continue? You know, in Mississauga, where I think it's a little different than Vancouver, is that they're actually settling their families here. So they might still be working because that's where their bread and butter is abroad, but they want their family to be here for schooling purposes, for safety and stability. Um, so they're not, you know, for the most part in our city doing it for investment purposes. Now, you know, of course, what comes with that is maybe an investment property down the road, but they're doing it really to sell their families, which I think is a stark contrast to uh, Vancouver. Excellent. Well, listen, Sam, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show today. I greatly appreciate your time, and thanks so much for joining us here at Simply Real Estate. Todd, it's a pleasure. I have great respect for you. Keep up the great work, and uh, let's uh, break some bread soon. Excellent. Thanks so much, Sam. Folks, that was Sam McDaddy. Um, you know, a lot of times when I talk about professional realtors on the uh, on the show here, uh, Sam is probably one of the greatest examples of a professional realtor. Um, always very ethical, very strong, customer focused, and uh, you know, absolutely. You know, when we talk about uh, people in the industry, Sam is uh, top of the chain. So, anyways, thank, thanks so much for him. Um, I'd like to also thank uh, Ray Ferris for coming on today. Ray, being the president of the Ontario Real Estate Association. It's always good to get, you know, an idea of what the governing bodies are playing with. And um, John Carlos Sofitas, always a pleasure to have him join us. And uh, folks, you know, it's interesting because real estate is, again, um, you know, I, I've been on with John Moore several times and he says it's the new porn. Uh, when we talk about real estate, everybody loves to talk about real estate. Everybody loves to, you know, get on the computer. They turn around, they click on it. What did your neighbor sell for? Everybody wants to know, you know, how people are doing in real estate. I know a lot of people are complaining about it, but the truth is, it is probably one of the wisest things for you to invest in. I know some people are saying, Todd, it's not investment, but for your family and your future 
equitable asset real estate really is probably the best investment you will make. And again, I know I use the word investment. Not everybody likes it, but that's the one I'm going to use for today. So listen, enjoy the rest of your Saturday. It's always a pleasure to uh, do the show with you. And I want to thank my producer, of course, Ian Grant. And uh, look, you know what? We're getting close to Christmas. You know, we're winding it down. But something tells me, you know, the real estate market's just going to continue to plug along. I don't think we're going to see much deflate, but I don't necessarily think we're going to see a huge increase over year over year next year in 2017. But we'll wait to see. So I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. Thanks for tuning in this week. And I will talk to you next week at 4 p.m. on Saturday. So have a great week.